Hello, and welcome to our podcast, You Should See the Other Kin, in which we talk about all of the kins in the recently released Barbie movie from 2023. I'm Barbie. I'm Barbie. And I'm Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) And we didn't plan what else we were going to say after that. But yeah, we saw Barbie. (laughs) We saw Barbie. Uh, Hello. It's been way too long. It has been way too long. But boy, what a way to return. (laughs) And fortunately, like linear time doesn't necessarily exist in Barbie world. I mean, they do have like a day to night Uh, thing. Barbie land. Barbie land. Uh, I've been calling it Barbie world all this time, Sadie. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Being an editor during this time has meant I've I've spent like a not insubstantial amount of time being like, is Kendom one word or two? Is it stylized Barbie land one word or two? And like trying to consult press materials. Ultimately, I just followed sister publication Vogue in making Barbie land two words, but... I think there's signage in the movie that makes it two words. Anyway, this is the most boring thing ever. <laughs> but <laughs> experiencing movies first through things that other people have written about them is often kind of tedious. <laughs> I, I, like I feel say- like the like the the minutia of the hit film Barbie. I could talk about it for hours. Like I I need to know. Like I, it's one of those things where like while I'm in the movie i'm like i know that this is not supposed to be read into that deeply but i need to know how barbie land coexists with our world in terms of chicken or the egg um but we'll talk about that later we'll talk about that later i mean Greta gerwig is clearly interested in dodging any of those questions like when barbie is in the metal boardroom and is like is barbie land a real place or is it a space created by the imagination of children and they're all just like yes (laughs) yeah (laughs) think of it like sweden what was going to happen if she did stay in the box yeah like that could have been a whole other horror movie like damn we already have the ghost of ruth handler wandering the the halls of the mattel building and honestly it was pretty bleak that like will ferrell and his board still kept their you know rulership over mattel at the end i would like to see a spin off Alan movie because I want to know about his time in NSYNC. Oh, yeah. Wait, wasn't Alan supposedly every member of NSYNC too or something? <laughs> every member of NSYNC wasn't Alan. <laughs> How did they not get a Lance Bass cameo in there? Come oh on. Oh my god, he even looks like a kin. Wow. And you know he would have done it for free. <laughs> yes. They could have even gotten Joey Fatone in there, I'm sure. He would have paid for his okay. own flight out. Okay, okay. So, I, listen, because it is, I'm torn. I don't know if we should actually, like, do a summary of it necessarily because I think I mean we'll just kind of reveal things as we go so obviously this will not be a spoiler free review but I did just want to ask like it just like one sentence what did you guys think about it did you actually love it as much as you thought you would did it exceed your expectations give me give give it to me give it to me raw and uncut <laughs> I, I felt warm uh 
I I thought it was excuse the sound of Nala digging around in her litter box. There's just important things she has to find. Um, yeah, so I'll just leave it at that for now. I felt I felt warm to very good. So how did Nala feel? Nala feels like she wants her pee to go in the exact perfect place, and if yeah. it doesn't, something's gonna feel wrong. So true. That's so important. true. <laughs> Well, I was doing a pretty impressive job, if I do say so myself, avoiding all of the marketing materials besides just admiring Margot Robbie's red carpet outfits, because I know that personally, uh, getting things too overhyped or getting too much expectation before I go in really can ruin a movie for me. Um, Because just the, the mismatch of whatever my expectations have come up with versus what is actually there. So I was avoiding stuff and staying away from it. I was glad that the one trailer I watched mostly had just taken material from like literally the first three minutes of the movie. And I would recommend going in as unspoiled and as possible and just seeing it, you know, seeing it for the first time. And I, uh, I did, there were parts that did make me feel very warm, but I really found the actual like structure of them, like the, the lack of plot and resolution and whatever was going on at the end. And I mean, I guess you could make an argument that it is, it was kind of like, nonsensical like a child's play session there and and excuse a lot of that but I definitely had there were there were things that I loved so much about it it was so beautiful the actors did such an amazing job I'm kind of obsessed with Ryan Gosling's Ken I loved so many things that the parts that disappointed me disappointed me correspondingly more so <laughs> if that makes sense so it, kind of a mixed bag you know like a, a box of Barbies that some are brand new and gorgeous and some have been beaten up for decades and have half the accessories missing, you know, kind of the the Barbie experience, I guess. I will say one thing that did shock, not shock me, but um, something that I was expecting is for part of this to be like the Barbies don't really realize that this is that Barbie world isn't like the real world. Like I kind of thought that they would be unaware in some of in some ways and so like part of them landing in the real world would be like discovering their place in the world um and so it was kind of interesting that in this in in, Greta Gerwig made the decision to have it so that like the Barbies are fully aware that they're dolls and they're like manifestations of those dolls, but also have the ability to have like real world implications in like what they do. And like, I don't know, I I thought it was a little bit more confusing than I thought it would be going in, in that way. Yeah, like the world building, you either need like, I don't know, with clear rules, I feel like the world building would have been better. But I felt like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach were not necessarily interested in laying out clear rules because they wanted it to remain in like the fuzzy space of like child's imagination play. And yet you are still like ostensibly setting it in the real world. And yet the real world was also kind of cartoony so like yeah anytime I tried to think too hard about any of the world building stuff I kind of lost it um (laughs) but when I just like sat back and enjoyed like Ryan Gosling's Ken performance I was like you know this is 
this is a pretty fun time at the movies. I mean, yeah. In, in lieu of a conventional summary, let's just say it has three acts. The first act is Barbie in Barbie land having an existential crisis. She realizes that to solve her existential crisis, she has to go to the real world to find whoever's playing with her and giving her weird, irrepressible thoughts of death. She goes to the real world with Ken. They discover that unlike Barbie land, the real world is a patriarchy where uh, the Supreme Court is terrible and isn't just complimenting each other all the time about how awesome they are. (laughs) Um, And they find America Ferrara and her daughter, who are the source of Barbie's complicated thoughts about existence, They all go back to Barbie land where Ken has taken back knowledge of the patriarchy, like, (laughs) like smallpox infected blankets, I think is the America Ferrara metaphor she uses for it. And then the Barbies and the Kens have a battle of the sexes for the Barbies to restore power. And then we can talk about the ending later, but um, the Barbies get back on top, baby. But that—that—that's—that's that's basically it. It draws heavily from like the Matrix and the Wizard of Oz and um, the Truman Show. I was mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. ending. We've got to talk about that. I—I I mean, not the ending with like Barbie becoming real necessarily, but even the like leading up to that, the resolution with the battle of the sexes and the restoration of Barbie to the. Uh, because okay, the the movie opens the Barbies in Barbie Land think that their efforts, their existences as themselves, have like solved all the problems of feminism and women are the best now because that's how it is in Barbie Land, and they think that their existence in Barbie Land is making things that way in the real world, which is obviously not the case. There's much made about how Barbie escaping from Barbie Land and entering the real world is going to change the real world forever, and then the chaos of Barbie Land getting changed by the patriarchy is going to impact the real world that of course we don't see any of these i mean like what what the fuck like uh, anyway i just they have like uh, that brief <laughs> flash to kendall's selling really well in the real world now yeah it's like it's like okay so it affects the marketing it affects toy sales is what it affects in the real world because certainly like the point is obvious at the beginning of the movie that barbie's matriarchy barbie barbriarchy system does not affect <laughs> I mean, shit sucks for women in the real world. And Barbie is this, you know, this panacea, this like, yeah, little girls, girl power, you can do anything, you can be anything that's, you know, you have like everybody who grows up playing with Barbie has a distressing time in adolescence when you realize that what the Barbie play has promised you is not the truth. (laughs) So, uh, so anyway, and then so you're going to confront patriarchy, but then it's sort of like is all because like Ken is an incel because he's sad because Barbie doesn't like him the same way. And uh, but then instead of like any sort of equality happening between the Barbie Barbies and Ken's and like any lessons learned it's like no Barbie's back on top now and Ken you just have to be satisfied with being Ken we're not even going to talk about like your identity being separate from Barbie except to like have you sort of like attempt to put on like a 
happy voice while literally sliding away down a slide and saying you're kin. I don't, and then Will Ferrell's like creepy. Like they definitely make the point that all of the actual bosses and people who run the Mattel business are men. And then they're just going to start having a tickle fight and we're not going to discuss how that's not going to change in the real world at all. Like America Ferrara and her daughter are going to go back to their real world kinish sitcom dad incompetent husband and father who it was just very it was a lot of saying stuff to not say anything <laughs> like is that what yeah i i kind of like the the resolution was tough for me because like barbie and ken are having that talk in barbie's bedroom right and like i'm like how are you gonna how are you gonna write out of this corner where like Ken has spent the middle third of the film as like an incel and I kind of like the gesture of like honestly once I found out the patriarchy didn't involve horses (laughs) as much as I thought they did like I sort of lost interest and there there was this kind of like important social observation that the reason he got interested in it and began subscribing to the patriarchy was his hurt feelings over um, wanting to be with Barbie. But then for the resolution to be like, I am Barbie and you are Ken, and for him to be like, I am Ken, I don't know. It it felt like shorthand for something a little more fleshed out. So see, I was so mad about that part because to me, it seems so easily fixable like what do we because so what is ken actually searching for in wanting his relationship with barbie he thinks he needs to pursue that's his purpose like that is what he as ken was made for so that is what so what he needs is not to take barbie's place or you know supersede barbie in in the kingdom patriarchy what he actually wants is to find his purpose and like there's so much good material already in the movie for that ken he doesn't he's beach ken He doesn't fucking like the beach. He loves horses. He is amazing at singing and dancing. And that's what he wants to do when Barbie is not around, basically. Like, couldn't, if we had just had a line instead of that, like, you're kin and that's enough. Like, when he said, he literally says, I don't know what my, who I am without you. I don't know what my purpose is. And like, okay, Ken, well, what do you, what makes you feel good about being you? What do you like to do when Barbie's not in the picture? Like, easy resolution. They could have even showed in the real world that like now he's, you know, song and dance kid in his little outfit from his stuff. Like or horse can. Horse can. Let him, he, let him be, ride a horse. That's apparently what he wants to do. To rule the world. To, so like, yeah, I, I just felt like it really petered off there. And I couldn't enjoy that montage of all the nice moments of like old filmic stuff of women smiling and winking and waving babies in the air and stuff because I was like, really? This is what we're doing right now? this is a lot Margot Robbie is a great actor and I feel the enormous like I don't know witnessing of the gauntlet of human emotion in her eyes right now but I I was just too it took me out of it (laughs) by that point so okay I'm gonna shut the fuck up (laughs) I will say this and then I want to hear Sadie in my little headphones I thought I I do want to say the movie was very funny and very sharply observed 
uh, frequently. So like, I don't want people listening to (laughs) this to be like, these grumps came back just to dump on the Barbie movie, (laughs) which I don't know, maybe a little bit we are, but I felt like the movie sometimes interrupted its own best moments. Like the, like the emotional heart of it is this conversation about womanhood between America Ferrara and, and Barbie. And there's a narrator played by Helen Mirren who like interrupts that moment to like deliver a joke about how hot Margot Robbie is. And I'm like, just let it breathe for a second, you know, like, I don't know. And this goes back to the world building thing of like, I just kind of wanted to feel the weight of things a little more. And it was a little too frenetic and like, flimsy in moments for me to really feel like Barbie's shock at like the real world. Like, like they accomplish Barbie and Ken realizing that the United States is patriarchal by having them rollerblade for like 30 seconds, followed by Ken being like, it's almost like everything's reversed here. And it's like, show me Barbie like in in shock and terror at like seeing, you know, a picture of the Supreme Court, like, (laughs) um, or, you know, whatever, like, yeah, I'm not a screenwriter. Anyway, Sadie, were, did you, did you glide across the surface of the film Sagittarius style? (laughs) Did you dive deep (laughs) and, and get, get burned on certain aspects of it? How, how did you fare? I uh, holistically, I agree with a lot of a lot of both of these points. I think it was one of those things where it, I think it suffered mildly with the same thing that Bros suffered um, last year, which is like it's if you go into it wanting just like a really fun, you know, heartfelt movie, you know, and it's just like like that that is what you'll get and it is amazing and I will watch it multiple times in theaters probably and I'll also watch it at home but on the flip side if you if you were if you measure it as like this is going to be the most important movie of the decade then you're going to be disappointed um by some elements of it and so like if you were expecting something that like single-handedly launched feminism ahead 10 years it's not going to be that um first of all i don't think that like any movie can be that but it's I think that some of the marketing, the marketing was too good in that I think it had people expecting something that would like change their lives irrevocably. And like, there are almost no movies that do that. For me, it was more so like the experience of it. So like we went on the opening night on Thursday, we got all dressed up, we got dressed up in our in our Barbie pink and everything. And it was a full theater filled with filled with people dressed in pink mostly women and we all kind of laughed at the same moments and then afterward like you know everyone was just like oh my god you look great Barbie (laughs) you look great Barbie and like that it's that spirit of it that made it so special however I think that like um, Samantha you brought up the moment where Helen Mirren makes that like joke about Margot Robbie and that I hate like I I was like mad about that a little bit because I was like it's funny yes like I laughed at it 
but it was also like I really wanted the moment to mean something. And I think that it almost was scared to mean too much. And so when it veered almost too close into like not having a laugh for so long or taking itself too seriously, it got a little nervy and it made a joke. And that's fine. But I also feel like it lost some of those elements that I think the marketing made us expect going in. It- yeah, ner- nervy is the right way to put it. it. It like got scared of being earnest which you wouldn't think Greta Gerwig would be scared to be earnest. I mean, given like Little Women and so, yeah. her, her other works. Ooh, you all, I, I, Samantha, we're all in a brainwave because I was about to say that <laughs> despite my own dislike for the battle of the sexes element of, of the movie, uh, I completely hypocritically in my mind, as soon as I saw written by Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach on the credits before leaving the theater, at the end, I immediately began to mentally separate and credit all of the parts that I like to Greta Gerwig and then bitterly blame Noah Baumbach for all of the little smarmy interjections like that that cut away from the emotion. <laughs> so that is my uh, my how I'm dividing that, that labor in my mind right now. But yeah, that part killed me um, with where they, Helen Mirren, we haven't heard her, by the way, since for, for God, an hour now. So it was just very shocking to hear the voice of Helen Mirren as God pop in to basically tell us that we need to laugh that Margot Robbie feels ugly and rejected and devalued because look at her, she looks like Margot Robbie, which is not helpful for anyone on a number of levels. You know, like we didn't need to be told that. So (laughs) yeah, it makes an emotional point if someone like Margot Robbie I don't know, feels ugly, right? I mean, we're able to like do that in our heads. You can have trust in your audience a little to be like, objectively, she is very beautiful, but even objectively, very beautiful people like feel ugly. And it felt like the movie was afraid of people being like, wow, they're having Margot Robbie. I don't know, you know. And there could have been a way for them to have worked that sentiment into America Ferreira's speech also. So like having this moment of like, you are Barbie, like you are literally what women can compare themselves to and find themselves falling short, right? And like for you to feel this way, like what does that say? Like about about how like fucked up our standards are. Um, I feel like they, there could have been a way to nod at what they were trying to nod at without making it a joke. And then it goes on yeah. from there. Because yeah. otherwise the movie had so many amazing jokes. Like I went to see it with um, my roommate Hannah and we were like, this is the hardest we've laughed like in a movie theater in a long time. Like it, <laughs> I just, there's so many funny moments in it that I would never want to take away. But I think that some of those questions quieter moments deserved to breathe more if it wanted to bring the importance that we kind of thought it would. Yeah. I mean, it's great for movies. People had fun in my theater. They were laughing. They were all dressed up as Barbie. Uh, the theater was full. There were there was disputes over seats that thankfully did not resolve in any of the parties I watched uh, get shot or shooting each other, which is happening in theaters now. Eek. Oh, but, um, you know, as like, I, I got the AMC A-list like six months ago 
or something and have been kind of evangelizing the theatrical experience ever since. And it was great to see so many people at the movies because I've been there for like the Pope's exorcist, you know, (laughs) like... Uh, Not the Pope's exorcist. (laughs) When you have the A-list, baby, you can go see whatever you want, and it's free. And why not? Why not go sit in a room for two hours with air conditioning? Um, But yeah, like, you know, overall, I think it's really great for capital M movies. I, I just, I don't know. I wish it had had a little stronger narrative anchor points that it lets some of its moments breathe or have like more impact. It also did like kind of a lot of cutting to like people like Michael Sarah or other like um, players lower on the call sheet where I was like, should there be like a line of dialogue here instead of just like a facial reaction? Are these actors on set at the same time? Could we show that with the blocking? I don't know. It was, there were moments of it that felt very strange. Um, and then there were moments where I was just having a great time. We have to talk about Push by Matchbox 20. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) We have gotten to the Push by by Matchbox 20 part of the podcast, (laughs) which is that when that started playing, I was almost in tears. That was really funny. (laughs) (laughs) The the one Ken that's playing it on a drum set on the beach. That was really funny to me. Um, yeah, no, I I liked the Kens. The Kens almost. Oh, Jen, you're right. We can't hear you. Matchbox twenty. Oh, yes, we <laughs> discovered Jen was muted when she realized that none of us could hear her talking about push. So, Jen. <laughs> Oh, Sadie, I did. I laughed when when that popped up, when that's the song that, that Patriarchy Ken chose to serenade Barbie with. That was one it, of two songs. <laughs> Let me hop off topic for just an instant here to reiterate that even though I have been a hater for pretty much this entire podcast so far, I did not hate this movie on the whole. And it, there were things that I enjoyed so much that like that really is what is causing my my hater aid my feelings are so strong about barbie and about some of the things that the barbie movie managed to do and say that the places where i feel it let me down just disappoint that much more keenly and anyway we Brit- also threatened her at knife point uh at the brief time we were off air to make this apology <laughs> make this apology <laughs> i got a, i got a message from mattel and they said i needed to turn that turn that frown upside down or <laughs> This podcast is going to be shut down. But uh, yeah, again, just like the the personal feelings about, I'm not sure how old Greta Gerwig is, but probably somewhere around the, the Oregon Trail age range. Um, yeah, br- <laughs> that, that was one of Push by Matchbox 20 was one of two songs my mom would get so mad, like the America Ferrari character in this movie and change the channel on the radio if it would come on. That and Brick uh, by Ben Folds. Because like, wow, I mean, holy shit. It's like, yeah, I guess this guy is like exploring his feelings here like honesty about the inside and your your feelings are that like you you really want to be an abuser to your woman partner in this moment like damn 
that's what we were just bopping along to on the radio when I was in middle school. And, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's that, that again, back to what we were complaining about earlier about the moment in Weird Barbie's house when Barbie is having her real existential revelation about patriarchy happening. That is all very tied together for me. Um, it's such a coming of age experience about when you are the age you play with Barbies and then you're learning about patriarchy and those exact feelings when she's lying on the floor and she says, you're either brainwashed or you're weird and ugly. Like that, that's it. That's boom. That's a true thesis. That is a like actual, like real life that the Barbie movie showed. So then I was very disappointed that it went from there to just sort of like, we just play with Barbie and deal with the way things are. Sorry, I made that serious again. Well, I mean, it is hard, right? I mean, it's almost an impossible task to grapple with something like Barbie. And you can see Greta Gerwig really kind of like trying to meet it everywhere, talking about the the body criticisms and obviously the fact that like the real world doesn't match the possibilities for women in in kind of Barbie child play space. And yeah, it's, it's kind of a tough way around like, wow, the world still sucks. <laughs> like women are in the workplace, but are still expected to do like all of the child rearing and domestic stuff. And meanwhile, men have gone like all incel about it. And I'm just like, it's almost hard for it not to be a bummer, which is why I find some of the like, Barbie discovers the joy of being human through stock footage stuff to be like, I don't know, that didn't really work for me that much. Well, and it's also like it. So Barbie's implications in the real world and also what she learned from the real world, like all of that is the more serious stuff in the movie so it's like that sense of like finding yourself and realizing that the real world sucks sometimes and is very complex and like there's resiliency and etc etc like that we're supposed to take seriously you know but then on the flip side when Ken is like oh wow women are like servants here that's cool and great like Ken's role in this is just kind of like the comedic relief like it's not really seen to be like serious in a way of like concerning and like we're very quick to forgive Ken when he re- when he like you know is um defeated or whatever and he's like oh I was I was only in it for the horses and etc cetera, etc cetera. and it's like it's a weird dichotomy between like we're supposed to take what Barbie's learned seriously but we are supposed to take what Ken discovered as like just like a joke and he didn't really mean it um so it, it was kind of like a, a weird tonal shift and this is not to say that I, I would I would change everything about it in because then I would lose push by Maxbox Twenty. <laughs> but um, but does that make sense? Do you understand what I'm saying? Like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was it was flimsy and floofy when they had to hand wave stuff away, but then they wanted other stuff to have impact. I don't, you know, like mm-hmm. we can kind of laugh off patriarchy, battle of the sexes stuff in this kind of comedic way and then but we're also supposed to really feel that barbie was like very moved by 
like, I don't know. Yeah, you're right. That's, that's what it was. Like, instead of, uh, I just, I already am too invested in Barbie, like as a cultural experience and historical, you know, effect on, on the real world to have been able to emotionally move quickly enough from the way that they, they very, they did a great job of really accurately pointing out some poignant and awful truths about how much the world sucks for women right now. But then, and I mean, the Barbie movie shouldn't have to be the thing that solves the problems in the real world. It couldn't, you know, but it, it was just too jarring. Then like the sort of like forced positivity about, oh, but being human is great, sort of at the end, like the, the happy moments felt like more of a bummer to me after having been pointed out that things were a bummer. <laughs> I am, I am sad and discontent with the actual Supreme Court Barbie. <laughs> yeah, well, like, if the movie had slowed down a little bit, instead of Barbie having to, like, take Ruth Handler's, like, hands and see, like, eye stock footage of, like, children <laughs> on playgrounds or, like, what, however they tried to shortcut it, if she had actually just kind of spent more time with, like, um, like America Ferrara's family or something like that, or I don't know, had more experiences with humans in the real world, seeing their goodness despite the horrible social circumstances or something, you could like flash back to that instead of having to do this like mystical, like, see, being human, it hurts, but it's good kind of <laughs> like thing you know like i i just think it would have benefited from slowing down like have barbie go over to her house and be like where's your corvette or like i don't know like <laughs> stuff like that or like i'll have a waffle now please like i don't know oh yeah she should have gotten to have a good waffle to make up for her burnt plastic waffle it was her last waffle yeah spirit. Then <laughs> oh and the waffle she, that's that one of the things so she can like about being human is that you can actually eat food as a human. <gasps> yes. Oh my God. Yes. That truly is, Samantha, a profound statement about the human experience. <laughs> or like the, the, have a hot shower or like all of these things. Like, I don't know. I wanted more fish out of water. And I, I feel like, I feel like the movie just kind of skipped right past that and only gave us fish out of water by like her being like, I'm not used to drinking liquids or something. Can I say also, I feel like if we had to cut something from the movie, I would have liked it to have been like the Mattel element as much as it was. Yes. Like I feel like it they were in it so much considering that they really added so little to the movie. Like I I I think that they could they should have been in it because it would have shown like this is a bunch of uh, men like you know, uh, you know, who created Barbie, et cetera, whatever. Um, but I, I don't know, like when they got there to Barbie land and then they were just like, I was like, well, they're doing nothing. Like they've done nothing and they're just kind of there and wasting time when I could be looking at Margot Robbie or Ryan Gosling. Do you know, like, do you, like, what do you think that they added? Not much. It? They added a, a place for Will Ferrell to occasionally be very funny. Not all yes. of it landed but like I don't know I yeah narratively it didn't serve a purpose like they just kind of roll up after the resolution and are like oh 
Okay. Uh, seems like this I all got solved. I forgot about these guys. Yeah. Um, I, I think you can get rid of them. Yeah, it felt overstuffed, like trying to do everything all at once, which I don't know, I guess makes sense if you're going for this like maximalist candy colored like joke a minute thing. It like it, it felt like a jaw dropping number of elements to the point that like <laughs> like the audience could I could see certain people in my crowd like getting whiplash. <laughs> like I think some people were going in just expecting it to be like a fun movie about Barbie and Barbie Land with like some cheeky humor about all of them being dolls or something. And the first time she goes like, do you guys ever think about dying? I audibly heard someone behind me be like, wait, what? (laughs) 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 And I can only imagine how that person fared with like how the movie ended up going with like, yeah, magical cutaways to everyone doing old Hollywood dance numbers in like dream space. Um, But yeah, I I feel like you can ditch the Mattel executives. You can have weird Barbie be like, you need to go to the real world and here's how, and you can have some other ticking clock element or external threat, like where she's in the real world. Like, I don't know, the longer you're in the real world, the more you'll lose your connection to Barbie land or something. And then the choice can be like, does Barbie stay in the real world or go back or something like that? And and it doesn't accomplish as much as this incarnation of the movie did, but maybe it's a little slower and has more room to breathe emotionally and you can still ring plenty of fish out of water comedy out of the premise. And and again, I feel like I still loved it. Like, I, I don't want to just be like, I'm mad for not mad. I'm not mad. But like, I, I'm I'm criticizing it based off of what it wasn't. But I like do do I think that there could have been different things? Was I going into it expecting something a little bit different? Yes. However, I still loved it for what it was. Like once I understood what it was, I still really appreciated it despite it not being perfect. Like I waffle back and forth on it. Um, I'm, I, I mean, across the board, of course, it's probably going to be better than Oppenheimer, which I will see and I'll probably also love, but not as much. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's tricky. No, I, I, I relate like when when I'm just like, did I have fun? And did it make me laugh? I'm like, yeah, no, that was fun. And I'm glad it's gonna make a ton of money. And, um, you know, I think that's good for theaters. And then I'm also like, but I still like want to feel things when I go to the movies. Like, like, that's, that's the point of sitting in that room with the big overwhelming screen and the big overwhelming sound and the high caliber performances. And I don't know, maybe the most I felt something was like in a Ken moment, like, which shouldn't have been, you know, because like, I like of all the storylines, I definitely like relate to his the least, but his at least had like emotional grounding in the actual events 
of the film in observable yes. ways. Yes. 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 <laughs> like we see Barbie ignoring him and it's like, oh dude, like that sucks, you know? And and yeah. with Barbie, it's like, oh, like Margot Robbie's performance is doing a whole lot, but like we don't necessarily see like the emotional weight of it. Like if we took our time more at the beginning, we could maybe see like Margot Robbie's Barbie start to be like, gosh, like this same waffle every day. Like, you know, it's not really like doing it anymore. Like, I don't know, like start to see little glimmers of it so that the payoff of her like wanting to be human at the end feels like, oh, I've, I've traced this like emotional journey instead of just like, <laughs> I had a, I had a vision of a merry-go-round. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. Mattel has silenced Jen once again. Oh no! What? Oh. <laughs> let's let's upload and see if we can accomplish um, talking about our favorite romantic pairings and um, and, and wrap it up. R- rating the movie. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hold on. Jen, I saw you emphatically type yes in the chat after Mattel silenced you. Oh, what were you, this is what were so you difficult. Yesing? Samantha, I just promised that I would only say positive things for the last, for our third recording room for the podcast so that Mattel doesn't shut me down. But I, I was yesing, I believe, your all's points about the... Uh, the growth of Ken. About the, yes, about the growth of Ken and how that, that it where it was shown on screen that that was so important instead of us, you know, having to watch Margot Robbie watch the stock footage to get the emotion. And so, yeah, let's, uh, I was also emphatically agreeing yes to a number of other things that you all said, especially about the Mattel board. But we're moving on from that now because we're saying nice things and we are talking about the Kins who I love. Of course, Ryan Gosling, like... Like, I am going to be surprised if he doesn't win awards for this. And I think that he should win awards for this performance. And also, he's, a, he's an expert in beach. Like, the quote he was giving in, like, interviews ahead of the movie and stuff, like, months and months ago, about how he, he felt confused about as to why he was being approached to play Ken. And then he talked to Greta Gerwig about the part. And then he literally walked outside his own house. He's got two young daughters with Eva Mendez. And saw a Ken doll lying face down in the dirt, like, next to an old discarded lemon peel and he was like this man's story must be told like th- that <laughs> is ex- is exactly how he played that character like he brought like the intensity of you know a tragic dramatic performance to this kin and it was weird and compelling and I liked it a lot and I loved Simu Lu's kin I liked the Ken I, I don't know the actor's name but it was like again. no you're here I can hear you we can hear you Jen speak oh no oh no Oh no. <laughs> she literally like predicted. <laughs> she was like, oh no. <laughs> I can feel it. Mattel is not. <laughs> yeah. No, that was unsettling. She was like, oh no, it's happening. <laughs> It didn't even have the suddenness of the Thanos snap. It was like. <laughs> Mattel, no! God damn it! Okay, so. <laughs> Do we people, just- <laughs> people are going to hear our intro music a lot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what we can do is we can wrap up 
that podcast and I can just speak Jen's rating here and through her words or we can do a fourth room. What do you want to do, Jen? Should we try a fourth room? Let's, my, my, I would be inclined toward hey, trying a can you let Doc in the bathroom ah, with you? Jen, Jen, you're Jen, back. Jen, you're back. Can she hear us? Jen. <laughs> we heard you yell about the dog. Oh, you can hear me again? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hooray. I still can't hear you, but I'm glad that <laughs> you heard me yelling at Justin, who was in the shower, to let Doc in the bathroom with him. So he stops woofling it to come sit on my foot right now. But you can't hear us? <laughs> Jen, tell us your favorite Ken. <laughs> no, out loud. <laughs> oh. Out loud, I see. Uh, Simu Lu was my favorite Ken, I think. He kind of had an advantage there being, you know, the antagonist Ken. Like, he just had to react off of what Gosling's Ken gave to him. But I thought he was delightful. He improved every scene he was in. I loved his little his little green outfit. And that dance number of the Kens at the end, amazing, excellent, the greatest. Like, I really, uh, I'm, I feel wounded that there wasn't a plot. There, there, nobody, like, acknowledged that Ken was good at dancing. And Barbie is truly terrible at singing um you know those like the the scenes driving to the real world were really heartwarming and amazing and showed that you know barbie had a real person inside of her all along but ken ken like needs a variety show where he sings and dances for sure yeah i love the kens although when john cena appeared at mermaid as mermaid ken i think that there for a second i had a little a little zap of feeling that i think must have been what samantha felt when she was watching shrek 2 like just too many references too many people in the background here i love you john cena but like i don't want to see you here. So yes. I, that, I guess, is my least favorite Ken for that reason. Well, I hate Thank John you for Cena. Your time. <laughs> my favorite Ken was the, like, I don't know the actor's name, but the second-in-command Ken. <laughs> Do you know who I'm talking about, Sadie? It was like, it was like Ken's immediate buddy, but not Alan. It was like... Anyway. Oh, was it in Chuchigatwa? Oh, no, think, it was, um, oh, my God, what, <laughs> who was that? <laughs> the one who was, like, fake barfing at the, near the beginning? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. That was my favorite, Ken. <laughs> tender, tender, tender. My God. Okay. I am just going to say... <laughs> <laughs> while we're just while we're vibing in this in this space i i do feel like my favorite ken was ken but a, a close second would also be the same one that you chose samantha he was so funny um i feel like it should have been gayer i, I was I kind agree. of surprised that it that it didn't lean more into like queerness in some elements like i was kind of i was surprised that one of the barbies didn't have like a wife or something i don't know i was expecting more casual queerness than i got kate mckinnon's all clearly queer coded um and then like alan is obviously like pretty directly noted as gay in the text but like just short of it i feel like just short of it enough for like the film to play in international markets is my cynical view of it 
But um, yeah, no, I expected that a little more too, especially for how much the girls and the gays had um, had invested in it. Yeah, I I was expecting a lot more. Oh, yeah, that was really tonally odd watching it as an adult. There was some sort of discord there because, you know, Mattel, especially given the the culture right now and, uh, you know, for as much as this movie is accused of being woke or whatever, like they were not going to openly talk about queerness in this movie. I did not expect that, but it was odd to never hear it out loud when visually you were seeing queerness all over this movie. I mean, it is exploding with, uh, you know, there are a bunch of queer queer actors who are playing characters in it and just the the Barbie of it all, the dolls of it all, the style of it all, the Ken dance numbers, the weird Barbie, hello, mm-hmm. is queer Barbie. And bar- stereotypical Barbie herself. Like, do you guys think that she's like ace romantic? Like, I, she came across as queer to me. She was not having it with yeah. Ken at all. And I don't think it was just that Ken. I think that it may just have been like relationships in general or maybe Barbie needed to move to the real world where Megan exists and is real and now real stereotypical Barbie is going to meet Allison Williams from Megan the movie in that world and they will become a couple and raise Katie together while they're avoiding avoiding Megan okay she's like I know I know how to design a better doll I am one (laughs) that would be amazing Okay. Okay. Are we ready to rate? Yeah. Are let's we ready do to it. rate? Okay. Samantha, you go first. <laughs> I'm also retroactively thinking about how I'm going to edit this. So in case it needs to be explained, I'll just say that at some point, Jen could not hear us, but could be heard. And so we were using the voice chat to prompt Jen to chime in contextually at the appropriate moments. It was very strange, but I think we got it done. Um, (laughs) And I will give- It added some spice. (laughs) Yes. I will give Barbie three and a half uh, waterless showers out of five. I thought a fun romp and it kind of deflated its own emotional impact for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to give it um, four plastic waves that Ken runs into out of five. I, I really, I really enjoyed it. And there were parts where I did tear up and just the the ending with Ruth and with Barbie, it was just, it was very, it was very heartwarming and it was very sweet. And it's been a long, long time when, since we've had a movie that's like for the girls, like it's really like, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's been a long time since we've had a movie like that. And I really appreciated the opportunity to go to the movies. And I just knew that the audience would be like 80% women and queer people. So for that, alone I really loved it and I did think it was very funny I wish that they would have trusted their own heart a little bit more and kind of been confident enough to let those moments breathe um 
But nevertheless, pushed by Matchbox 20, my love, my life. It, it, that was perfect. That was perfect. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. I'm, uh, I am gladdened to see that I am falling in line with the consensus here um, of Samantha's rating of 3.5 and Sadie of 4. I also am going to give it a 3.5. My rating scale is going to be the 17th floor of the Mattel corporate building where the ghost of Ruth Handler resides. That long hallway that Margot Robbie Barbie is running down with all the doors when, when she opens it and you know finds the ghost of Ruth Handler. I, I feel like the movie opened several of the doors and did it very well. But then the final one, it just sort of walked halfway into and then backed out the door without actually finishing up whatever was in there. And and then there's a whole nother room that's left unexplored um, was kind of the feeling that it gave me. And again, I want to emphasize that I, I know I have mostly focused on the things that got under my skin and during this discussion. And it's, I don't know, I, I just am like feeling like the strict ballet teacher here who's overly critical because actually they really respect you and like your dancing. And they just like, you're so good already that it bothers them that you're not sublime. And that is the feeling that the Barbie movie gave me. I really admired the visuals and I loved Ken's songs and I will probably eventually watch it again. And I will, I don't know, this is going to inspire outfits for years to come. But yeah, I, uh, the, the lack of the last stuff there, the, the lack of exploration of queerness or saying anything substantial after just pointing out that patriarchy exists and is terrible, just left me, left me a little bit wanting there at the end. So for that, I say, 3.5. I am not looking forward to the live action existential Barney movie that is apparently coming up with Daniel Kaluuya. Wait, but, hey, for, it's a price. Uh, I hope that's not real. <laughs> oh my god. Um, well, hello. I will do the out row in lieu of Jen's uh, Zencaster purgatory. Um, but Twitter doesn't really exist anymore in the same way, so don't follow us there at Y SSTOG. Um, I think you can still get in our Discord. This is not really an outro, is it? You're doing, you're doing great. I, I feel like so many things were happening in our lives and we were very busy because we are Barbies and we're doing everything all the time. Um, but we're slowly getting back into it. We're doing movies that we're very excited about. Um, and I will post something about this here on Twitter. So you can follow us at, at YSSTOG if you want. It's just that we're not super active because um, Elon Musk sucks and you can quote me on that you can quote me on that um but we are slowly getting back into the rhythm of things um but truly this podcast is for fun and we hope that you have fun listening to it um so it may be sporadic but we hope that you truly enjoy the, the episodes as they as they come to you to your ears uh from our mouths well put. <laughs> our, our mouths truly are the instruments of our podcast. Bye, Barbie. Bye, Barbie. <laughs>